Hello and welcome back to the Miss Amanda Chen Show. We're now in season four of the 100 Masked Men series where I anonymously interview different men from all walks of life about masculinity, sex and relationships, and how that contributes to our self-worth. Masked Man number 94 is the grand gesture. He shares his story on thriving in one of those explosive, chaotic relationships that he was so proud to be in. You know what I mean? And in giving so much pushing through the resistance, doing all that you can, and feeling immensely hurt and discouraged when you don't receive a standing ovation of a thank you for all of your efforts. In this episode, we talk about seeing both sides to the story, on setting your own boundaries as well as respecting the boundaries of others. I really enjoyed the authenticity in this interview and having this as yet another example of the wide spectrum of where we all are in our own journeys. So let's get into it. I hope you enjoy the show. So were you always an artistic kid growing up? Um, my mom put me towards it. And uh, at a young age, she was dating a musician. For, well, he, we were living uh, together uh, in the Lower East Side until uh, I was like almost five. And so he put me onto like cassette recorders for me to sing on mm-hmm. and like baby instruments, you know that I think I got an affinity to and my mom would put me on a different in- instrument each year. Definitely develop an ear. Uh, an ear either from, you know, with the violin, clarinet, and all those. And, um, so I did have that, but I was very much also into sports. So I always had both tracks. I did soccer and played uh, forward and goalie. And uh, eventually to midfielder, and I was always this kid running around a lot and like people knew me as like, oh, he's fast. That's Angel. He's fast. Mm-hmm. And I thought, yeah, like I love it. And um, little league baseball. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So between soccer and baseball and basketball, later, uh, eventually I came to volleyball. Since I was twelve, volleyball's been my sport, and I'm, I've been playing uh, tournaments internationally for a couple years now. Wow, yeah. really stuck with you. That's been my like. Mm-hmm. It's been my joy. Yeah. So you were living with your mom. What was your mm-hmm. relationship with your father? Non-existent. He was like a, a story. Okay. Was, like the myth, the legend, the man. Mm-hmm. He had a cassette with his face on it, and he's got this really beautiful voice. Okay. He'd cover Beatles songs, so mm-hmm. he was very much a hippie in the times, like for late 60s, early 70s, um, but in Mexico, and also a bit in the southern uh, part of the U.S. He would pay visits, but he loved fishing, so he was traveling places, and he loved his guitar, so he'd bring that with him on the, you know, the fishing trips that would end up somewhere else. Mm-hmm. He started at the age of seven, and I got his whole story. I even had like a short film that I uh, kind of developed, like a documentary version, so I could have something set up in case I make it into a which one day I may. Really? I have a title for it. You can't steal this. <laughs> okay. Uh, and actually, it's tied to what shirt I'm wearing, because this is where he grew up. He grew up in Ciudad Carmen, where this shirt is from. Mm-hmm. Uh, folks at home can't see what I'm wearing. It's the, a shrimp on a green <laughs> shirt. And uh, in Spanish, uh, siete barbas means seven whiskers, a type of tiny shrimp, uh, which was the nick- his nickname since he was seven years old, mm-hmm. until the day he died. So that's uh, that's part of his legacy, mm-hmm. he, uh, and he's also a shrimp. He's he's like 
<laughs> he's also short. He's also like <laughs> seven, eight inches shorter than me. Okay. And not to say I'm, I'm not tall. I'm five ten, but so yeah, so he's a little guy, and my mom's four inches taller than me. Mm-hmm. How old were you when you passed away? So I was twenty-five. I was okay. twenty-five. I had just gotten out of the Air Force and I paid a trip to like a radio station mm-hmm. and like searched, you could say, his story in a lot of ways and to mm-hmm. see if he was still there. And I went on the radio and in Ciudad Carmen. Really? Yeah. There was somebody who came within five minutes or less of the announcement of like, hey, I'm looking to see if my dad's here. This is all in Spanish. And they're like, yeah, um, we'll pay for a taxi. Come come see us. I'm like, oh, great. And people knew who he was. Like mm-hmm. the whole town knows who he is. For anybody of his age Interesting. Or, or around his age, like they know who he is. And he used to be on TV sometimes, on a show. And uh, anyways, they gave me the rundown of his uh, passing away. He had oh, no. had contracted AIDS um, or the HIV uh, virus from what he said was a girlfriend from his past, but I, I think it was intravenous drug use. And, uh, he lived a really, um, a really flavorful life, mm-hmm. <laughs> a very full life, and he went out the way that he he saw fit. The story holds uh, at this moment that he sold his guitar, which was his soul in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. the way I see it, uh, for a rowboat to row out into the Gulf of Mexico for him to die in sea because he loved the sea. And, yeah. He was very sick. He was very sick at the time, so it was known that he was like, he's going to be done. So he might as well do it his way. way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So you knew about him, but, like, he wasn't existent in your childhood. What was that dynamic like? Like, he just was here in Mexico for the most part? I... I don't know exactly where it was for a lot of that time, but my uh, my mother wanted to protect me from too much information from him. Okay. So there was a degree of her not wanting him to be in contact with us so that our life in New York could be what it was. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, in this way it was, um, it was, it was kind of, he just always remained this distant thought okay. uh, for a long time until my 20s. Until mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'm going to get to know Dad because I want to know what he's like. And I did. And he was very eccentric in a, in a great way. I remember a phone call came in. He's like, get those radio waves away. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, cool. but I was like, oh, yeah. like Radio waves. special, like, sensitivity. Yeah, like, the radiation is, mm-hmm. I feel it in the side of my head. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, I think I, I see where I get something from. So it was recognition, recognition of, of seeing myself, you know, when you look at your ancestors and think, how are we? Oh, I see this relation now. Mm. Yeah. Do you have any other strong male figures in your life that kind of served as a different role model for you? Yeah, definitely a few people that my mom uh, saw mm-hmm. throughout my childhood. Um, a musician who we lived with in Lower East Side was super sweet-hearted guy. I remember like the one argument that they had when he he made a, a dent in the wall because he was frustrated in the conversation and, mm. and pounded it with his fist and that was like the meanest thing I've ever seen him do. And I wouldn't have seen that was mean. He wasn't trying to like make a point, he was just frustrated. Mm-hmm. And he's just such a sweetheart. He like had come from racist parents in Virginia 
gotten all of his shit stolen in New York when he came with music equipment that he was, you know, with with a friend too. And they had vied to get started, and shortly after, you know, got it started and met my mom, and yeah. So, and then there was another who was more into finance, and he had this dry Irish humor, and uh, and and he had something kind of fun to him. He was, you know, supportive uh, financially, certainly, on certain things, and and uh, gave me a place to stay when uh, my mom and I had a rough patch, and uh, and you know, in my my seventeen years of age time frame when I was up to up to rebellion and and trying to figure out certain things of puberty a little later but he's been the longest like family friend that had stayed around for decades mm-hmm. so to even my age now I know I can like drop him a line and he'll he'll respond when he's he's ready and he's, yeah. that's awesome yeah. yeah I always wonder that you know when you're um in a single household and what your relationship is like with someone and their relationship changes, like do you end up creating a relationship for yourself? So mm-hmm. I think that's really cool that you were able to. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was, it was uh, and, and a bit and a bit isolated though at the same time. Mm-hmm. And he lived in his place and my mom and hers um, and ours. And uh, growing up, uh, mostly it was just mom and I, but for a good chunk of time, uh, we did have my grandma before she passed away so we had like three or four years there and and yeah briefly I remember there was a year in another part of Manhattan so there was a couple of moves you know throughout the you know childhood but all within Manhattan mm. all within New York so it was always New York it was always Manhattan were you born in New York uh, I was born in Florida Born in Florida, okay. Yeah, yeah. When did you move? I jokingly tell people that it's like <laughs> New York, Cancun, New York, Florida. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, when I was eight months. Okay, so New York, yeah. Wow, that was quick. Why? Why was that? Mom and dad, you know, I guess whatever issues they had between them. Mom wanted to to have a good life for 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 her and I, and and I think that my dad had a very much different upbringing and culture to my mom as well as my mom being very young at the time she thought time to escape she was only 18 years old I was like mm. okay let's, let's go back to New York let's go to New York okay and dad was like jealous or afraid that my mom would like somebody else because she was you know a gorgeous woman and uh, and he's thinking of himself in a different way probably Mm-hmm. Uh, being in the states as opposed to Mexico, because now he's just this, he's just this short guy. He can, he's not necessarily even singing. He's doing like hotel management and stuff. So he's not. He wasn't in his passion as much. I see. Okay. So he felt that he was making the sacrifice and he was going to lose the thing that made her fall in love in the first place. I think. So if, if I were to guess. Well, I think that's interesting because then, if that was his fear of losing her, mm-hmm. he just chose to lose her anyway. Yeah. You know what I mean? Why do you think guys do that when it's like, is it because it's at least on his terms mm. instead of her leaving at some undefined time? Probably him making it about himself. Yeah, for sure. Um, about him thinking he knows what, you know, attention maybe she gets and feeling feeling something defeatist. It can be a practice, I think, that 
people self-sabotage and some kind of defeatist practices where they say, I'm going to have to quit because of this. And they set themselves up to quit so that they can feel safe in knowing that they would quit. Mm-hmm. So they're fooling themselves into thinking they're safe when they're just not following through. And that, I understand. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great psychological twist for yourself it and is. your mentality, right? It is. So that you're like, you know what? I made the right decision, I think. You and know, then you just are okay with it. You, you set yourself up to say you had the right decision because you made it only yours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So tell me a story about a relationship that you've had that's really changed how you think of yourself in relationships, how it's changed your idea of of what your role is in a relationship and your value of yourself in relationships. Sure. I think I'll, I'll try not to be too tangential because <laughs> I know there is a degree, a snowball effect when you haven't quite dealt with what's uh, maybe past that you hadn't worked out that mm-hmm. goes into one. And that other person obviously may have done the same. I would say it, it's the one where I, I didn't hang up the phone when I thought I should, when it was early in the relationship. Okay. Uh, the one where I had a lot of red flags where I didn't listen to my own intuition and I knew that the lesson was for me mm-hmm. because I gave all and I loved all and I did not make an excuse for me to fail at it. Okay. And it was the first time I changed that perspective of mine and really went for it. And I really let myself give myself to this person even though all of the things that didn't line up with maybe defining what the relationship was in a favorable light for myself romantically speaking you know to be more exclusive or more caring more tenderness for myself in the relationship that I felt you know I would need to have reciprocated as I tried to navigate it um, I felt like a genius I felt like I was navigating the most impossible relationship and somehow I took pride in that like I love the way I love this person and it was so painful like so beautifully painful right so beautifully painful Mm -hmm. and of course like that's also you know that carries through on so many levels that expanded our consciousness for you know sex being explosive and for the uh, sports, you know, the volleyball we played together to be explosive mm-hmm. for us to be very full and for me to not have much sleep and her not have much sleep and us still like taking the biggest advantage of that we could of a trip to Italy and then I was feeling some hard crash and burns because uh, of an insecurity that she had that she didn't want to voice because it was easier to project onto me Mm-hmm. And I still tried to play with that as opposed to correct her. Okay. And so it became more painful. And I journaled deeply about it, and I I tried to bring things up, and I just couldn't. Mm. I couldn't seem to get to the conversation to happen the way I wanted to. And I became fearful because I was getting a lot of pushback whenever I tried it. And a lot of the things I felt that she was set with loving her boundaries I felt like okay I'll find a way to navigate it regardless okay and I and I continued to walk the eggshells thinking like I could I could do this I could do this like um there was a project that deepened it a lot a, a project on domestic abuse where 
I felt that here's my way. I showed her that I love her in case she didn't understand it before. So a project as in like a film project, yeah? Yeah, yeah. And that for me was a calling because I studied film. And -hmm. and for me, I love telling stories. I love making it into the visual medium, but being able to write it so they could see it in a visual medium. Uh, You know, for you to feel it, sense it, taste it, (laughs) if that's possible in your 5D (laughs) But having done work in the entertainment industry and having wanted to do something creative writing-wise and not having done it before, I felt this was a golden inspiration moment to go for it and say yes and knock out the fact that this person will know that I love her because I'm doing it for a thank you. I wasn't doing it for the money. And, uh, And I was even afraid of even being forthcoming about that. I think that she wanted to have things all seem like they're an agenda. You wanted a thank you yeah. out of the project? I did. I so wanted, I wanted her to just say thank you for... So this is like the biggest grand gesture oh, of love yeah. for you? Yeah. Okay. Yep. <laughs> so how did you come up with that idea? On a, on a, on a whim. <laughs> on whims. It was, okay. it was a relationship of whims. I mean, like, her idea to... To, to on a whim want to have a date with my mom and I and and like be involved with my family as I was in, being involved with hers uh, seeing our, our, ourselves moving quickly you know into each other's lives even though from from the beginning it was it was defined as something that I wasn't sure if I wanted I was like I'll navigate it don't mind being in uncharted waters I'm gonna go for this and I kept going for it and I I came to a point and I guess you could say that I felt like that grand gesture was misunderstood and everything else just fell away and I just felt like I I have to quit if she doesn't if she can't understand this and if she not only can't appreciate it but feels like she has to play, I don't know, whichever way. And all the things that just seem to shatter all of a sudden. It's like the world just shattered. So do you, do you mind me asking what was her domestic abuse story? Honestly, she never spoke directly about herself. She was a very private person. Okay. And for me, that was part of the challenge to open, open her up. And she would let things out. She would let things kind of slip out of her and I would pick it up I was there to like pick up when something slipped out of her mm-hmm. because I wanted her to feel that she could Okay. and when it did she's like oh I said that and she would try to play like she didn't mm-hmm. but I knew if she's trying to hold it back or hide it it's because it means something to her Okay. and so it was a lot of delicate feelings to navigate uh, throughout the process and I could tell that she had been through something. And she told me a story with her ex-husband that, sorry, sorry, not with her ex-husband, that I imagined was actually her coming up with a story that people who are abused come up with as a way to say like, oh, I fell down the stairs kind of story. What do you mean? A story about a concussion that she had. Okay. And I was like, huh, 
Yeah. She's like, oh, yeah, I fell on this, like, main area, you know, and got concussed. And I was like, yeah, that sounds like somebody pushed you. Interesting. Or, like, the way, yeah, or something else happened in your covering. Mm-hmm. Just from what I could intuitively pick pick up. So okay. I never got the truth of it. I tried to bring it up and just would not open up about it. Mm-hmm. She prided herself on her secrecy for her job because it's in her job description. And uh, for me, I'm very much a different person. I'm very much about transparency. Uh, and, and at least more now than ever because I don't want to repeat that mistake and have somebody close themselves off and feel like I need to reach I shouldn't I shouldn't reach that far if this person is really this closed off not at all I felt like I was handling it as gently as necessary and a lot of times she she did remark about how comfortable she felt how gently I handled her with my hands and my words and my my energy and so when it, when I wasn't gentle, because I felt to put a stern tone, she heard it like I was yelling mm. when I was trying to talk about certain boundaries and things myself that I was trying to establish with her. Because this project that I was writing was very touchy for me too. Yeah. And I asked her not to not to touch me when I was writing it because it, I didn't want to mix that energy together. Mm-hmm. I didn't like the idea of someone wanting to get sexual with me when I'm seeing the ugliest parts of a relationship, you could say, or the parts that we don't want to talk about, but still try to bring it forth. So it was extremely painful to have that be misunderstood in a mental way, like where it was like almost like psychotic break. That's interesting. I went through a period of depression, and I realized that a lot of that came out of trauma from abuse, a lot of sexual abuse. And if I had a partner that wanted to explore that topic, I would run for the hills. Like I would freak out. And if this person wanted to collect examples or like snippets that I might've accidentally dropped because I just wasn't thinking about it or I got comfortable, I would freak out again because I would think like this person is trying to collect all of these tidbits at my moments of weakness. So I can see her hostility 100% in the wake of this now. And if you wanted to do your grand gesture of love and, you know, this person has communicated that they're closed off on these things, would you deal with the situation differently now? Yeah, it was tough to see all that. Yeah. The communication was so shut down. Mm-hmm. I was trying to keep open, and I I couldn't see that then. You know, not fully. My instinct knew, but I I didn't understand fully. And I wish, I still, still of course, wish I could have. I sense that you feel so much, and that yeah. you wanted to take that away from her, that pain that you can obviously see that she's dealing with. Yeah. I think I meet a lot of men that get, infatuated with me because they want to take that away from me and they see it right and they're like oh if I could just take this away from you and and then be be my shining armor whatever it is and I I get it at some level but it's also like 
this is my skin that I'm wearing, right? So it's also an identifier and I kind of appreciate that layer of mine and maybe I never share it. Maybe I, I share it later, you know? I think it needed to happen in my own way to process it first, you know, as much as having help would have been fantastic. And I think that's the, the hard part when you're in a relationship because how else can you give? You can't do that sometimes, especially at moments like that, right? When that person isn't ready to receive it, then yes, it goes to nowhere and then your cup is empty because you're just throwing it to the ether, right? Over and over and mm -hmm. like you don't know, but you still want to give and can't understand. And thank you for sharing. That was quite a share as well. Thank you for that. Yeah, that was my hard way to learn that, you know, there's a time where I to say I've tried and it's important to stop stop giving stop trying that white knight complex or what have you I knew it was happening to me and I couldn't see out of it like, I couldn't act out of it I couldn't break like a cycle of that for a while and certainly on the other side I've tried to explore in my own relationships where she was by embodying that in my own way and addressing my own traumas in the way that she was to try and see it that way. And that seeing it that way, you can tell I've been trying every side, is what finally allowed me to, to, to come to terms with it. And I'm still coming to terms with it because it's a a very very <sighs> just what it is so now seeing both sides like knowing your really good intentions to show love for someone you know and kind of getting a slap in the face for that and then on the flip side having Kinda. an attempt <laughs> at an understanding yeah. of where she came from mm -hmm. what do you think she was thinking now that you've had some exploration on what you think she might have been feeling I still think that she was thinking what I always thought that she was thinking. I just didn't know how to, I just, you know, there's no way, there's no way for me to reach that other than to just say, you know, to talk in peace if there was to, to be a conversation ever again. What did you think she was thinking? Um, I think she was thinking that I was going to let her down like other men or other traumas and and that she was you know she that she was right to project those traumas onto what the situation might seem like with me mm -hmm. just that anything that she could pick at and anything that could could be like I always knew it he's, uh -huh. he's this guy just like I knew because anybody gets close to me is like this it's like are suggesting I'm somebody I'm not a lot and projecting onto me about being somebody I'm not and that's yours that's not mine yeah and why would you want to be in a relationship like that I wouldn't mm -hmm. I wouldn't I had hoped that that would end and for me I realized that's not for me to end that's for her to end and that's hers mm -hmm. 
And I realized I need to work on setting boundaries for myself a lot better and really listening to my intuition when things are red flags to address them when they come up and not feel that I have to doubt myself or hold back from saying what it is that emotionally and spiritually I'm vibing with. So that synchronicity of self um, is, is definitely you know why why the work has, has gone a lot more spiritually, a lot more mentally, a lot more habitually um, speaking. Yeah. And so wherever that takes me now, um, uh, you know, I'm grateful for I'm grateful for the lesson. So how did that <laughs> relationship end? How old were you? Like how how long ago was it from recent. today? It's still too recent. Too recent. Too recent. Too recent. Uh, I guess you could say when we got into court in July, so two months ago. Wow, that's so recent. Yeah. When did you get here in Playa? I got here in January, but even the court thing was like, I mean, the relationship was over. Mm -hmm. A lot of time not talking to each other since last year in March, February. Okay. Yeah, around then. Yeah, for the most part. An attempt in June, but that was the last. Yeah. Okay. So where do you stand now in relationships? Are you like in this state of non-relationship? Are you looking for something different? Mm. Where's your mind at now? I think that there was a lot of things in terms of the way that I loved that, like I said, I was proud or enamored of how I was loving the other person. I think I... I frame myself to love differently now. Okay. A lot, a, a lot more level-headed in, in certain regards. I'm still working on formulating that now. Like right now, um, you know, I'm more reserved. I'm not having anybody that I want to have right now in my life, romantically speaking, as uh, lovers. I want to do friends first. And... And because of the relationships I've had prior to that, um, and after as well, where friendship was important in terms of developing that, as much as you know the more romantic or sexual or fiery chemical content, um, you know I think I'm, I'm both returning to that, uh, which was which was to be more friends with those people, mm -hmm. uh, with the with the people to come, and that's very important that. It's important more than anything. Let me just say this because this is the, this is like the most like standout thing. If you haven't heard anything yet, hear this part. Make sure you're able to have a conversation with the other person about uncomfortable subjects, because then you know that that person is going to be genuine with you. Because yeah. So you wouldn't have a conversation like this on a first date. I would be open to if it got there <laughs> <laughs> okay and and that would be brilliant but at the same time I'm happy to approach relationships with vulnerability and really to be honest when it comes down to it no matter what other dressings when it comes down to it, it it's that 
it's that the other person is also showing vulnerability, things that they didn't have to share that is there. I like to lead by example by sharing something about myself. I like to share very much because I think that uh, sharing information with someone is to trust, and you don't know how to trust someone unless, unless you try. So to measure that that trust is being returned, but also to be vulnerable to be open, to continue to be open. I don't want to return to something I didn't do right in that mm -hmm. relationship. There were things that I felt I turned away from for a while, and it was just stagnant for me to have done that. And yeah. Like I was cutting myself off from believing in love for a bit. Okay. And that stagnation was self-doubt. That was, that was self-preservation. That was myself forming boundaries that I didn't need for myself to more like to barriers shut myself down mm -hmm. barriers yeah sometimes boundaries can be barriers can be prisons um, because you don't let yourself go through an emotional wavelength that you you know it, it there's too much regulation on on yourself sometimes to allow yourself to just let yourself love yourself mm -hmm. too much focus on loving things and not people, mm -hmm. that's what comes to mind, as opposed to loving people and using things. You went from like humongous giving love kind of in abundance mm -hmm. with no strings attached, just kind of like mm -hmm. loosey-goosey throwing it everywhere to holding yeah. it super tight to not giving love anywhere. And now you're yeah. saying you're in this like level-headed space. So what does love mean to you now? That's a good question. I'm playing with that right now. Like, even in this talk, I'm still <laughs> like, where am I? I don't know. It's okay to say I don't know. I don't uh -huh. know. I don't know. I think that even having this talk right now, I'm thinking about how I have... In some ways, I have an immenser joy in terms of my own, like, Awakenings, like like my Kundalini awakening that I had the other day, um, where I smile at myself about like a creeping crush or something like this, and, and I'm and I'm joyful about it. And I like the way that that feels, and it feels really alive, right? Alive. Yeah. yeah, I think love is aliveness. Yeah, because when you're in love. Your, the colors are more vibrant. You feel the wind in your hair. You know what I mean? Like, you feel more alive, and it doesn't matter where that came from, and you want to just remain in that love. But I think the problem is we attach that to a person that brought the vibrancy out. But a person can't make your world brighter, right? It's It comes from within, and that person amplified it somehow for you. Exactly. Um, exactly. I think there's a lot of times that I've confused my process with Mm -hmm. somebody else's affectation of me exactly yeah. so mean, it's a little both of course I mean crossing energies you know yeah so you mentioned your grand gesture of love and wanting to receive a thank you is affirmation really important to you it is it's an important practice I feel that affirmations are a way of showing uh an appreciation for for the peace and the and the positive mindset, the constructive mindset that you feel you are trying to grow yourself as well as those around you. 
So self-affirmations for me is important. It's something that I had sent to her daughter. Okay. Preparation in the ballet recital. And uh, I heard, when I heard that, you know, she had done well and she was focused, I was like, I felt a victory for that. Mm-hmm. And that for me is, that for me is um, great to see. It resonates with me the most. Yeah. Yeah, it's affirmations. However, at the same time, I do have senses, a, a strong sense of irony. Okay. A strong sense of irony that the moment I say I love something is also to say like, yeah, I might just toss that out and say the total opposite. Mm-hmm. Um, just to test or challenge it a little bit. I would say I'm a lot more grounded in the, the affirmations, but there are other things that I will still test and see uh, for myself more than any more than anything. And I like to report back the story mm-hmm. you know, to the person or the people that I love about those experiments. Do you have it's, an example of one? Yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> Today, uh, I was having a conversation where I could tell she was getting emotional and, you know, I was getting much into the rational. And, like, when you're that, when you're the rational, you're the one being cold and you're the one being, you know, coming off hurtful to the other person. And the person in their emotional mind, you know, is going through some kind of, uh, also a cycle where where the, the emotions are maybe going to dictate the, the actions or or certainly dictating the words that are being said. Mm-hmm. And it's that middle ground between both. That is that wise mind, as they say in therapy. And, and uh, I figured if, she's, if she goes far in the emotional, I'll go far, farther in the rational. Of course. And I was like, I'm going to be the polarity. I'm going to play the polarity. And I you know, said things I wouldn't normally say to play the polarity. Like I literally got to a point where I was like, I think I'm going to laugh if you continue being mad, wondering if your head can explode. Mm. Like, and that was probably the most vile thing that I said yeah. to her. And I know that that's hurtful. But at the same time, I thought this can be the lesson. Like, I'm trying to be the opposite here. And I'm going to be very clear and with clarity about it. And, you know, the good thing was is I had a chance to say sorry. And I knew I, knew I would. And I made sure that my timing was there to do so. But at the same time, I made that challenge because I just felt there was no objectivity uh, in what perception she was putting forward. And I felt the blame every time it came to an idea that was originally hers. And for me to reciprocate telling her that, she wanted to just continue the blame game because that was more about that. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay. So then you embodied that? Uh, sure. I was like, But okay, why would you do that? Because then you go down to their level. Yeah, I, I certainly did uh, for the moment because I thought, you know what? If we're going to be equals, let's be equals. And it wasn't that we were hurting each other physically. It wasn't passing a line that I felt that we couldn't pass. This was, you know, a not, this is a non sexual relationship um, but there is sexuality between us because there may be attraction or something there but honestly it was a business relationship on mu- with music mm-hmm. so it being with music uh, 
it's important to have that chemistry. We're both very explosive people in a certain way. And us knowing that about each other felt like we could both deal with, with, with being that way with mm-hmm. each other. And I was right. But that also kind we of... We were both right. Mm, it kind of conditions a behavior style where exactly. you're going to both be explosive and live in chaotic environments, but then always have the space to apologize after the fact, which means you can always exactly. ask for forgiveness later. Exactly, which is, which is why, for the most part, for the most part, um, I was resisting trying <laughs> to enter into the conversation a lot. Mm-hmm. There was a lot she was saying. <laughs> And I was trying to say either something very minimal or nothing at all. And one of them was like, listen, I need to talk to myself today. Um, let's talk tomorrow. And that, for her... Didn't work? No. Well, I think that's like a very um, clear boundary, yeah. right, that yep. she crossed. Yes, yes. And so I didn't want to reward her with what she wanted, what she was making demands about and the way she was acting about it. I didn't want to reward her for that because I knew that would be a mistake. Um, but uh, because there was a lot of my stuff involved, and because I was like, I have to, I have to meet her at some level to communicate. And there are, you know, this this conversation carried on between, you know, a couple of days, um, or not happening really, and us needing to just, I guess, talk, but. I don't want to talk on her terms the way that she kept making the terms. It's uh-huh. like, that's why I kept being polarized to it. I was like, okay. That's why I was very like, I'm just going to stay this way about it. And that's why it, it got there. I kept telling her, like, you're disrespecting the boundary. You're disrespecting this, this boundary, this one, this one. And I kept pointing at it, and she kept not wanting to see it. So the best way to to do it was like, okay, I just need to get somehow things calm enough that I can get my stuff out. Mm-hmm. And how did you get to somewhere calm? Um, not very well, mm-hmm. to be honest. Poorly. I, sa- I kept bringing up the idea that she had the idea that we do it a certain way. And then she's like, okay. And then changed her mind. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to get a friend to help bring my stuff and, and, and get it done. Mm-hmm. He was very polite, and I was like, and I was polite until, like, with no tolerance at all, though. Mm-hmm. Like, if she did anything, I was going to just, like, try to set her off. And mm-hmm. so that wasn't good. I was at, I wasn't at wit's end, but I was like, I am not going to give in to anything that she asks right now. So super rigid at that yeah. point. And when I realized I was as rigid as I want, and she and she was trying to keep the peace, I was like, okay. When I handed her the key back, that's when she melted and told me emotionally the things that she felt she wanted to say so I let her let her pour that out and stuff but it was still still an emotional bomb but I let myself feel it and it was good that I did 
because I needed it and I was in my head a lot and I needed to feel as well. So I'm glad that it ended well. I'm glad that we could be on terms, good terms with each other. Seeing the decision in retrospect, I feel I see it pretty much as I saw it going into it. Not very different. So there wouldn't have been another way, you don't think? I'm sure there would have, but I think this is this is this is where you are, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And it, it really is, it really is. Um, you can't blame yourself for you know every everything that you can't quite get, and it's easy you know 2020 for everything, um, but 2021. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. There you go. <laughs> 2021. But it's 2021. That's all I gotta say over Just here. Looking over drop. here, over there, over there. Looking over here, over here, over there. Back to you. Back to me, over here, over there. All right. I want to wrap up with a couple of questions for you. Sure. What is the most attractive characteristic in a person in mm. your mind? Mm. Um, someone who couples listening with accountability. Um, someone who who listens to uh, what what the other person is saying, um, and and remembers it. <laughs> okay. And remembers it as best they can. If they don't, it's okay. At least if they're trying, the effort is appreciated. Okay. Sometimes it's tough to listen to people, and even to make the effort is an appreciation appreciated action and um, and the accountability to remember that you're saying what you're saying Mm -hmm. and don't forget you're saying these things or this is what your plan is or this is what your idea is and and, uh, if you forget that's okay too Mm -hmm. it happens all right but if you try when somebody's like they remember this you know I can do is make the effort at least Okay. Slowed. I like it when, and my mom does this too, and we we both have a tendency to slow down conversations if they're getting too heated. By trying to see the insightful aspect, and okay. yeah, I like that. I always try to see what is like a takeaway from every situation that I'm in, because then you're better for it by taking that introspection, right, and seeing what the learning is. Um, My next question is, what is the most attractive characteristic about yourself? Uh, I like to say that I try to do that. Uh, I think humility is is key um, for for what I offer um, for myself. (laughs) I think that I... I've been told this recently, and I, I like it. I do like it. Uh, in the Air Force, the first core value is integrity first. And so I think my integrity is is really one of my uh, things I try to stick to best. And understanding, uh, even if there's you know temptation to lie or anything like that, to, to even just say, I felt tempted to hide about that. Mm-hmm. is great it's really great and it's I feel I feel so connected with my with myself to to be a person of integrity 
um, with my words and and to admit uh, you know failures so that I can really get the best mm-hmm. nuggets from them. Nice. Um, and the more integrity I've practiced, the more I see the follow through of it, and the follow through equals uh, a community of people. What does integrity mean to you? Integrity means doing what you and and I don't I don't always do this. <laughs> I try, but I don't. Is to do what you say you say you're going to do, or what you set yourself to, up to do, when other people are not looking. Okay. And uh, that's for the welfare of of yourself, really. Uh, to keep your try to keep your promises to yourself, and know that it's okay. Like you can't keep every promise either sometimes your your slips are going to be lessons and you got to know why you slipped so this way you can do it when you do promise the same thing again mm-hmm. knowing that you're ready this time what's the difference you know you get to measure it it's a good it's a really great tool for measurement but there's so many tools for measurement so i would say that's my favorite one but there are many yeah, yeah. okay what is a toxic behavioral pattern in relationships that you are trying to change? Investing in something and then pulling out uh, maybe a little too quickly. Um, sometimes there's times when I think I need to make things work and get motion going and, and uh, be motivated and to you know, have that motivated energy around me. Maybe it's a similar wavelength and seeing that, th- that there's a synchronization. Uh, I would say a degree of impatience in those various aspects. Mm-hmm. So impatience when it comes to... Um, impatience when it comes to trusting my own impulse, that impulse to have invested. Mm-hmm. and allow that to follow through. So that's why I've had this, like, I'm going to reserve more to make sure I get more before, say, the first kiss or the first move or the first, you know, these things because it feels really good to to let myself pick up all my spidey senses, <laughs> what I feel like, okay, yeah. I feel comfortable now. I exactly. feel like I can, I can really trust and trusting too quickly. Okay. Is is where I ki- I've kicked myself in the butt <laughs> from my relationships from hell. It was yeah. really my fault because you know that's how I approached it. You got to give trust to people that deserve the trust. Absolutely. Right. You can't just Absolutely. be throwing that around because then you have no respect for trust. Mm-hmm. Hey, right? that's so true. <laughs> yep. How would you like to receive an apology? Oh. Did you know there's apology languages? I didn't know that until I, I researched I, about it. I guess I'm, <laughs> I'm processing. That's why the pause. Um, softly, in person, some kind of gift involved. Um, the gift could be a takeaway, a, really a thank you. Mm-hmm. I think the best apologies are really a thank you. Um, okay. Thank you for what you did. 
sorry that I didn't see it as that. Mm -hmm. That's my favorite. Yeah, so like an acknowledgement of what that was and that... Being affirmed. Yeah. Right back to that. There you go. Mm -hmm. Okay. Very much. Very much. Out of our conversation today, is there anything that you would like to invite another man to elaborate on in another episode on the show? Oh. Oh. I think uh, reconciliation would be one of my favorite subjects to know what another man would talk about. Why is that interesting to you? Um, because uh, I just had that today with my friend. Mm-hmm. And I, I, feel like, I feel like I've been exploring that theme um, when, like, over this past year. And um, I guess I'm making a thesis of my own out of it somehow uh, for, for myself. Um, and I would like to gather gather other people's thoughts on that. Yeah, it's all about the non-permanence of things. Like you think there's a finality to the end of something, so you don't believe really in the reconciliation or even try to go there because what's said is said or what's done is done, then you kind of wipe your hands clean and that's it. Yeah, so reconciliation also versus like not reconciling. Mm-hmm. That's like another one. Reconciling differences versus not like, where is it that you say it's about a boundary and where do you say is it better to have a reconciliation and um part of reconciliation i think i mean i'll let somebody else talk about (laughs) i mean i feel like there's a lot of forgiveness that needs to be involved in oh yeah and i i love that Mm -hmm. i love that it's it's one of the most beautiful parts of the human soul gets to shine out to you something that has stayed steady like a rock for another person Mm -hmm. to deliver a certain message is uh it's love yeah it's love how did you feel before entering this interview and how do you feel now after um i definitely feel in my emotions Mm -hmm. a very tender place right now uh, I felt energy like in my head, and I was definitely a lot more pensive and nervous at the beginning. Okay. Um, nervous energy being like tightening on my sinus <laughs> cavity. <Ugh>. Yeah. <laughs> so, I guess that. Okay. Uh, and I, I, I definitely feel like a, like I have like a little, you know. A, a warmth. I have like a warmth, a good warmth shared. Yes, yes. I want to do some dance moves and stuff. Nice. Yeah, for sure. I'm going dancing tonight. Mm. Nice. Um, what did you think about me before the interview, and has anything changed now after the interview? Definitely. Um, coming to the interview, um, uh, I got a, you know we had a few few meets, and I I liked the way. Um, you know, we had first met uh, having you give the speech that you gave and, and uh, thinking, I'm on that wavelength. I would love to talk about this kind of topical thing. And somebody who's thinking about this topically is good to be on a wavelength with. So um, so I like that. Um, <laughs> I, I very much was in my own mode to, like, try something. And I, I, I did my sa- same... Actually, just like any relationship, really, 
uh, I had that same like toxic thing where I was like, oh, I'm not even sure if I could trust this person. I'm going to put them in my space. Mm. And I got nervous about that. And I, I thought, oh, I'm doing the right thing here. And I thought, she is so settled in. She is so calm. I am so not. <laughs> I am so oh on God. the other spectrum right now that, you know, like, am I going to feel unnerved and unsettled talking with her? And I just like, I guess eventually within this conversation, within this, I think it was like there was nothing to fear but fear itself. And, mm-hmm. and I got past it. And, and my feminine energy was like, yes, he's good. Right? Calm. <laughs> calm. Calm, recognize calm. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. I yeah. really appreciate this chat. Appreciate I this like chat too. all of it. Liked the juicy vulnerability. Juicy. <laughs> juicy vulnerability. I love it. I do too. I do too. It's a, an exploration to, to see where vulnerability takes us. Mm-hmm. Reconciliation is definitely a topic we haven't gone into too much detail on, although I believe we've touched on it in a lot of our episodes. Which battles do we choose to fight? How important is it to keep the relationship versus choosing ourselves and walking away? I think it all comes down to how we look at relationships and how much we value ourselves within them. Make sure to subscribe, and if you'd like to be on the show or know of someone with a unique perspective, slide into my DMs at Miss Amanda Chen on Instagram, and I'll see you next Wednesday with more episodes of The 100 Masked Men.